Welcome to the Monitor Daily Podcast. It's Thursday, February 22nd. Thanks for joining us. I'm Clay Collins. And I'm Noelle Swamp. Responsible political leadership matters everywhere, and never more so than when a society feels immobilized by anger or hurt. What's leadership's top job? Not necessarily to change minds, but to reopen ears, says Ned Temko, whose latest Patterns column appears today. In Israel, where trauma from October 7 remains fresh, it's also not necessarily to deliver a final peace, but to revive that possibility, he told me. As frustration with the war in Gaza mounts, can leaders persuade citizens and other world leaders that some post-war vision exists? It's a necessary first step for a viable path to progress. For our selection of top news briefs from the wire services today, please go to csmonitor.com daily. Now, today's Monitor Stories. Our first story. In Russia, too, war weighs on the public mood. The second anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine, combined with Alexei Navalny's death, marks a transitional moment. The public may be going along with the war, but the country is also shrinking its already limited space for expression. The few Western visitors to Moscow these days are invariably surprised by the apparent dearth of hardship. After all, the country is two years deep into a major war. But beneath the surface, a deep transition in the economy, the political system, social relations, and public mood is clearly underway. The signs of change most watched and fretted over include Russia's ability to ramp up its war production to meet battlefield needs in a grueling war, and the expanding wave of repression of anyone who disparages Russia's war effort or appears to sympathize with the enemy. The death last week of Alexei Navalny, perhaps President Vladimir Putin's most inveterate critic, underscores a continuing reality that has many precedents in Mr. Putin's Russia. Opponents of the Kremlin often meet ends that go far beyond the limits of mere repression. When the war suddenly started, there was shock and disbelief, says Nadja Titva, who works as a journalist's field assistant. Now it's more apathy, a desire to distance oneself, emigrate into one's own inner life. You try to stay afloat. Navalny's death made it worse. He had been out of mind, and suddenly he was back in the most terrible way. This story was reported by Fred Weir in Moscow for The Monitor. Efforts to put Trump supporters in charge of Republican infrastructure are bearing fruit. Some see grassroots activism. Others see a hostile takeover. The Republican Party in South Carolina's Greenville County has undergone something of a hostile takeover. After former President Donald Trump lost re-election in 2020, a group of MAGA-aligned activists here pushed out long-standing party officials, who they claimed were insufficiently loyal to Mr. Trump. They even changed the party logo, adding Mr. Trump's infamous golden hair to the Greenville GOP's red and blue elephant. We're trying to take back the party and put into leadership people who are MAGA, America First supporters, says Jeff Davis, 
the new state executive committeeman for the Greenville County GOP. This is the new Republican Party. It's coming, he says. Across the country, Trump loyalists have taken over the GOP infrastructure at the county, state, and even national levels. Supporters say they're remaking party organizations to better reflect the wishes of the voters and are finally giving the former president and current frontrunner the institutional support he deserves. To critics, the overt fidelity to one candidate is inappropriate and verges on undemocratic. Some worry it will divert resources from down-ballot candidates not closely allied with Mr. Trump. And they say the purge of experienced operatives could hurt the GOP's long-term viability, impacting crucial duties like fundraising, candidate recruitment, and get out the vote. This story was reported by Story Hinckley in Greenville, South Carolina, for The Monitor. As President Joe Biden pushes his vision of a regional Mideast peace deal emerging from a Gaza ceasefire, his prime audience is a skeptical Israeli public. President Joe Biden has an ambitious vision for the way the current war in Gaza might end. A ceasefire and the release of hostages held by Hamas would be just the beginning. The ultimate goals are a Palestinian state alongside Israel and a peace treaty with Saudi Arabia. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu wants nothing of it, saying the plan would reward Hamas for its October 7th attack. But he is not the biggest obstacle to Washington's plans. Rather, that obstacle is the Israeli public, gripped by collective trauma and unready, perhaps unable, to look beyond their own pain, the fate of the hostages still in Gaza, and the need to hit back hard in response to the Hamas attack. There's been barely a mention of the plight of civilians in Gaza beyond some Israeli human rights activists and a very few politicians. Even left-of-center political figures have avoided mentioning, much less promoting, the idea of a two-state solution once the fighting is finally over, and the mood of the country is far from reconciliation. But it is striking that the most popular politician in Israel is not Israeli. He is the American who embraced Israelis, met with hostage families, and, despite political pressures at home and abroad, has broadly stuck with Israel. He is Joe Biden. This column was written by Ned Temko in London for The Monitor. The 2021 coup in Myanmar brought new blood into resistance groups. Their fresh ideas and dedication have been embraced by the old guard, helping build momentum against the junta. Had the military not overthrown Myanmar's democratically elected government three years ago, Magtalan, who, like many in Myanmar, has only one name, would likely be an electrical engineer by now. Instead, she is fighting in the Chin National Army, an ethnic rebel group based in the western Chin state. The CNA entered a ceasefire with the military in 2012, but resumed fighting along with other armed ethnic groups across Myanmar after the coup. Since then, it's welcomed thousands of new recruits like Mangtelen, whose rifle skills and aptitude for planning missions have made her a role model. While an influx of inexperienced fighters could create tension, the blended ranks have fought harmoniously, at least in this corner of Myanmar. 
Many CNA fighters are united in the belief that the solutions to all of Myanmar's struggles, from political instability to lingering ethnic tensions, begin with getting the junta out. I have been fighting the military for quite a long time, and yet there is so much to learn about the field from these young fighters who came from colleges and universities, says Baya Klian, who has served in the CNA for 25 years and recently joined the group's new dedicated drone department. This story was reported by Akash Hassan in Chin State, Myanmar, for The Monitor. How far would someone go to have a better life? Io Capitano is Italy's Oscar nominee. It offers an immigration story that features searing realism and resilience. You can find the full review by Peter Rayner in today's issue. Now, commentary from the Monitor's editorial board on the path to build enduring stability in Gaza. During conflicts in the Middle East, any peace feeler often takes a touch of trust. A good example was reported Wednesday by Israel's Channel 12 News. Israel plans to start restoring Palestinian governance in Gaza even before the war with Hamas ends. In a pilot project, the Israel Defense Forces will work with trusted community leaders in the Zaytun neighborhood of Gaza City to be in charge of aid distribution, or what are called humanitarian pockets. The IDF will still provide security, but not govern the process. A future Palestinian government in Gaza, said wartime cabinet minister Benny Gantz this week, cannot be Hamas and should not be Israel. The plan faces severe tests. Any Palestinian in Gaza working with Israel is a target for radicals, and the violent anti-Israel ideology of Hamas might be difficult to suppress. In the history of trust building in the Middle East, the extremes often gum up the peace process. The answer is to build more or different bridges of trust. Israel, for example, hopes to back up the new Palestinian governance in Gaza with an international administration of moderate Arab countries with the support of the U.S., Mr. Gantz said. That's a wrap for the news. You can find the full-length versions of these stories in today's issue or at csmonitor.com daily. For more Monitor audio, including our serial podcasts, go to csmonitor.com podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. You'll want to come back tomorrow. Scott Peterson has been producing remarkable work, including photos from Ukraine on his current reporting trip there. In advance of the Russia-Ukraine war's second anniversary this weekend, he'll set the scene for the start of its third year. We'll support that with an accompanying explainer, including graphics. Today's Christian Science Spiritual Perspective contributor shares how we can find stability and safety by placing our confidence in God. You can find the column in today's issue or at csmonitor.com daily. We want to give a quick thanks to our staff, including today's audio production team, Jeff Curtin and Jasper Davidoff. This podcast is produced by the Christian Science Monitor in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Copyright 2024.